0: Two down in the ninth, Bumgarner, throw. Robinson Waits, here comes the pitch. High drive, left field, it is out of here. Number 600 for Ken Griffey Jr. I don't believe what I just saw. Bearhead, grab behind the back, flip the second, oh. Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I apologize. It has been about a week since my last baseball one and a lot has gone down just in the past couple of days so we are going to talk about everything going on in the world of baseball we have uh, playoffs the end of the season is actually coming closer and closer to a finish here we're about 16 or so games away from the final games before we get into the playoffs so we'll talk about that whole scenario the playoff scenarios and then we'll talk about the bubble proposal that it would uh, just came out over last week so we'll tell you what that is where the teams are going to be uh, quarantining and playing the bubble format like the NBA like MLS like other sports like uh, NHL also so we'll talk about that but before we get to all that we're going to talk about some uh, some NL West drama going on. We got a hot race heading to the finish with a big series starting in San Diego. So we're going to talk about that also. But before we get into everything like that, we have some history that actually went down. Uh, we're going to talk about some Albert Pujols. And for some weird reason, Albert Pujols is never alone when it comes to historical uh, feats that he makes, you know, uh, milestones. When he reaches some point, uh, you know, with with his milestones, he always has someone joining him for some reason, and that happened on Sunday. So we'll talk about all that going on. And for some reason, you know, I want to bring this up really quick, is uh, Zach Wheeler. Now, Zach Wheeler, we remember he was uh, pitching with the New York Mets, a big uh, part of that rotation with Syndergaard and DeGrom and, uh, you know, all all those pieces there in New York. Well, now he's in Philadelphia and Philadelphia actually finds themselves on a bit of a challenge here. I mean, they are looking at the uh, playoffs. They're trying to to get there and they're one game above 500. So they have a little bit over two weeks to figure it all out and see if they can make it into the postseason. Well, Zach Wheeler, uh, he is one of those big pieces, one of those big pitchers for the Phillies. If you don't remember, they brought him in this offseason uh, to fill in the the gap, so to speak, to, to close the gap, that is, with that mega giant uh, in New York and, uh, and, and to definitely close in on the Braves. So we had a lot... Uh, Riding on this season or, you know, with the with the Phillies uh, with Zach Wheeler and the weirdest thing happened going into the weekend. And this is when I believe he was projected to start that day and he was scratched from the lineup. Uh, He he got injured putting his pants on. (laughs) Now, I don't know. I've never heard of that. That sounds like a old a old person injury, you know what I mean? Like when you wake up and you get up weird or you get up too fast and you and you pull something or you stub your toe on the end of the bed. That that is what I think of. So when I first saw that, I was like, "What? What happened?" And what actually happened was even more gruesome is that he ripped a fingernail off while putting on his pants. That okay, It 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 sounded like a joke at first, but then when I hear that that he pulled pulled off his finger, what the hell? How was he trying to put on his pants? Like was he in a hurry? Was he was he trying to uh, get him on really quick? Like was were they gonna leave him uh, at the hotel? What the hell was going on there? I just want to know how fast you have to be putting on your pants to rip off your fingernail when you're putting your pants on. So. Uh, somebody in the Phillies organization—they got to get somebody to get his pants on. They—they they have to hire someone because you can't—you can't afford to lose him, especially with how much you're paying the guy. I mean, you're paying the guy uh, a lot of money to uh, to to pitch for your organization. So I—I <laughs> I don't know. It was just the weirdest thing. Like I said, when I thought of that, I just think of you know when you get up in the morning and it, it's an old person injury. You know, like you just don't feel right. So when I heard that he was putting on his pants. I immediately thought of Albert Pujols. Now, Albert Pujols isn't an ordinary old person. Let me tell you. He's 40 years old, and I say old. I throw that around a lot. Don't take it offensive. Uh, You know, it's old for the sport of baseball. Let's just say that. It's not old in life. 40, that's really young. Uh, But in the sport of baseball, I mean, you're at the end of your career. Let's just be honest. So Albert Pujols, he is... Not the typical 40-year-old, right? This guy is still out there. He's still raking, and he has finally done it. We have waited way too long. I'm telling you. I, I made a picture, a little uh, a little promo for Albert Pujols, uh, when he would go on to hit 660. I made that about a month ago. I actually lost it for a second because when he hit it, I was looking for it. I couldn't find it, <laughs> and I was so upset because I made that so long ago uh because he was raking at the beginning of the season if a lot of people don't remember he was raking like he hit 3 home runs within the first 2 weeks of the season and then all of a sudden it just it just stopped like his last home run was hit prior to 660 uh his last home run was August 4th that was over a month ago guys so that that is a very very long time he had to he had to wait until uh September 13th, the day that football would come back where everybody's not paying attention. Good, good way to, good way to do that, Albert. But, but so he goes ahead and does the improbable hit 660 and goes on to tie Willie Mays for 660 home runs fifth on the all time list. This was hit after 47 years and 26 days Since Willie Mays hit his 660th home run. That is a long time. That is a long time that that record, anybody that has even gotten to that level, you know what I mean? I mean, the only ones that we've seen in my lifetime is is A-Rod and Barry Bonds. Obviously, Hank Aaron, but I wasn't around to see Hank Aaron. Some of you may have seen when Hank Aaron hit that home run, historic home run and went on to be the home run king. Um, but obviously, me being from another generation, I've seen Barry Bonds. I've seen Alex Rodriguez. Those are the guys that I've seen. So Albert Pujols, for me, is only the third person to reach this feat. Five uh, on the all-time list with with uh, him tying Willie Mays. So that that is just an amazing accomplishment. And I can say, honestly, of all these players, because even Bonds, like, I wasn't there for the entirety of Barry Bonds' career. You know, A-Rod more so, but Albert Pujols, he came into the league, what was it, uh, 2000 and, 2001, 2002, something around, maybe 2000 actually. Uh, he came into the league, you know, right in the prime of me watching baseball. That's kind of why, you know, him, I I look at him differently uh, than other players because I've seen him progress through the years yeah it was 2001 I just looked it up 2001 is when he would start that's when he was playing third base uh for the St. Louis Cardinals that was before he was a first baseman so it was uh it was an interesting time for that you know when 2001 I mean that I remember I start remembering all these seasons uh going into the early 2000s I remember a little bit here and there from uh from 97 98 99 I remember little bits bits and pieces but i was born in 92 so i was really young at though at those points uh even you know some some parts of those seasons they feel like dreams maybe they were dreams maybe i dreamt it <laughs> maybe i don't fully remember uh some of the parts that happened in 97 98 but i do remember into the 2000s that that i i remember vividly um you know one being the 2002 world series with the giants and the angels that is uh that's just one one of many scars that have left me over the years. So uh, but watching Albert Pujols getting to this point in his career, it's just historic. I mean, he ties Willie Mays and when you're talking Willie Mays, you know, a lot of people consider him as the greatest player to have ever played the game of baseball. Willie Mays. There's, there's others that you can throw out there. You can throw out Joe DiMaggio. You can throw out Babe Ruth. Um, I mean, some, you know, in the younger generation would consider Mike Trout, but, you know, Mike Trout isn't even at that level yet. Willie Mays is the, the, the best player to have ever played the game of baseball. That's my opinion. And for Albert Pujols to finally get to that point and to tie him in home runs at 660, and I've only seen two other guys do it with my own two eyes, with Albert or, or with uh, A-Rod and Barry Bonds. It's just, it's special, you know. It doesn't happen. Very often. And then when you look around the league, you try to you try to see if there's anyone that will reach that feat, you know, in this in this next 10 year gap or so, or maybe 20 year gap. If there's anyone in the game of baseball right now that would reach 660. And I mean, it's it's a lot of home runs. (laughs) I mean, you got to you got to be healthy and you got to produce at a high level level of play i mean you look at all the home run numbers for albert pools he's hitting 37 43 46 41 49 47 again 42 37 like that is a high level of baseball there and it started to tail off at the end of his career um which which we're in now because that's the thing here is does it stop at 660 right because you have barry bond's at 762, you figure that's that's not going to happen for Albert Pujols. You figure that's not going to happen. Uh, let's just be realistic. And then you look at the guy right under him, Hank Aaron, 755. You figure that's not going to happen. Babe Ruth, 714. You figure that's not going to happen. Then you look at the guy that's directly above him. I mean, he's still tied with Willie Mays, so he hasn't um, you know hopped over Willie Mays yet. But the next guy on the list is Alex Rodriguez at 696. Now, that's only 36 home runs away. Doesn't seem like a lot. But when you factor in what's going on with Albert Pujols, the the age factor and where he's at in his career, because he has one more year on his contract with the Angels. Then after that, does he go back to St. Louis because they keep the DH? Maybe he does and maybe he wants to wants to break more records there. I don't, I don't know. It only Albert Pujols knows what he wants to do. Because entering the 2020 season and then that's the that's the thing too when you look at Albert Pujols is entering the 2020 season, he was only 4 home runs away from reaching Willie Mays. And then now this is a weird season in, into that. It's another year off of his life and it's another season off of his career. It's a sixty game season and he's only hit four runs four home runs up to date. So it'll be interesting to see how this season, whether it prolongs or you know, shortens his career moving forward, because I mean if he had a, a 162, you figure maybe he'd hit around fifteen home runs, twenty home runs. And then you're you're talking about getting closer to that A Rod mark, right? So I don't know what's going to happen with uh with pool holes, you know. Uh when he was asked about it, he said, "You know, it's 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 so far away. He said, "I don't really think about that. If it happens, it's meant to be for me to tie a rod or to get to 700. It's going to happen, but I don't want to force it. I don't go out there to try to chase numbers or records." That that's good. I mean, he goes out there for the love of the game, right? That's that's what you want these players to be doing. They're going out there I don't know if it's 100% real. I mean, when you're sitting at 6'59", uh, you got to be thinking about 6'60". You know you know what I mean? Like, there's no way that he's not thinking about that in the back of his mind. I mean, that's just human nature. And maybe that's why it took so long because, like I said, that was a month away from his last home run. August 4th was his last home run that he hit. So, um, it, you know, it, it's still a great achievement no matter how long it took um, and he's in his 20th season now, and we'll see how many more seasons we get out of Albert Pujols, whether, you know, this season will be his last next season will be his last, or if he continues to play baseball, uh, for a couple more years to, to possibly, you know, uh, pass up Babe Ruth, who, who knows, who knows what the future holds with that. But the only thing that we do know is when it's all said and done, Albert Pujols He's going to have a place waiting for him in Cooperstown. You know, when it's all all said and done, when it's time for him to hang up his cleats, Cooperstown will be waiting for him. And that's just, you know, that could be the the first player that I can say that I've seen from the beginning of their career to the end of their career when they get into Cooperstown. Because, of course, I've seen Mariano Rivera. I've seen Derek Jeter, seen all these guys. But when they came in, I was at such a young age that I don't remember their debuts, I remember Albert Pujols' debut. So it's a little bit more special when you look at Albert Pujols and his accomplishments for me um, just because he was, he was that – like you, you hear people talk about Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, um, Acuna, you know, Vlad Guerrero, all these young studs that people are scared to pitch to or you need to be you know, fearful of. That's what Albert Pujols was before. Um, he's not that now, but that's who he was. That was his, his, um, you know, his makeup. He was the machine. Dude was unreal. He, he could hit anything out of the ballpark at any time. So uh, it was just special. And, you know, Albert Pujols, he loves the, he likes to share in history. You know, he likes to share in the things that he does. He's not selfish. <laughs> he's not selfish because every time, this guy does something special. There's always someone else that has something big happen to them. Back in 2017, when he hit his 600th home run, Marlins Edison Volquez threw a no-hitter. Back in 2018, when he got his 3,000th career hit, the Dodgers threw a combined no-hitter. And then what happens when he hits 660? Well, an unknown pitcher from Chicago, the Cubs, throws a no-hitter, Alec Mills. No one knew who this guy was until he pitched a no-no on Sunday, the same day Albert Pujols would hit 660. You can't make this stuff up. Albert Pujols, So it's just a given. When Albert Pujols is approaching a, a historic mark, you know you're going to see history somewhere else. That's just what it is. So he hit 660, Alec Mills for the Cubs. The only reason I know who Alec Mills is is because I have him on my fantasy team. And that's because we do NL only format, and that's me digging deep. No one else knew who Alec Mills is. I mean, he's been okay. He's been decent. But even his no-hitter wasn't even, you know, phenomenal. He had five strikeouts in it. And his fastball was like averaging ninety-one miles an hour. So he wasn't even blowing people away. But nonetheless, he got the no-hitter. It's the sixteenth no-hitter in Cubs franchise history, shutting down the rival Brewers um, in part of the win, 12 to 0 blowout. So it was the second no-hitter thrown at Miller Park by the Cubs, but it came just one day shy of 12 years after the first no-hitter recorded by the Cubs in Miller Park. And that was actually Carlos Zambrano, his no-hitter. And because why I say it's the Cubs at Miller Park is because Carlos Zambrano wasn't pitching against the Brewers. He was pitching against the Astros in a game that was moved from Milwaukee or to Milwaukee from Houston as a neutral site game because of Hurricane Ike back in two thousand and eight, so the Cubs have two no hitters in Miller Park, and only one are against the Brewers, and the Brewers <laughs> they they just they can't you know the 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 Cubs just own Miller Park, apparently that's their own home and Alec Mills he was actually the uh the first cub since uh Jake Arrieta who would throw a no hitter. Back in uh, 2015 and 2016, because remember he threw two no hitters uh, back to back for the 15th or the 14th and the 15th no hitters in Cubs franchise history within eight months of each other. So again, you hear Jake Arrieta, you hear Carlos Zambrano. You might remember him, but again, who who is Alec Mills? So he was a 22nd round pick in the 2012 draft from the Royals from the University of Tennessee at Martin. He was the 673rd player picked in that draft. So wherever you're taken in the draft, it doesn't matter if you're the first overall pick or if you're 673. You're destined for good things. (laughs) You can do all things. That's what I'm saying. So Alec Mills, you know, for him to do it against the Brewers, you know, Cubs fans are just loving that cuz that's their division rival it's not as big as the cardinals but hey they'll take it they'll take it so Alec Mills gets that no hitter and shares in the limelight with Albert Pujols on the on the historic day of September 13th where Albert Pujols played second fiddle to <laughs> Alec Mills hitting 660 but you know what's crazy is that this is the first time that Both Chicago teams recorded a no-hitter in the same season. Remember, the first one was Lucas Giolito for the Chicago White Sox. And the White Sox, they're one of those teams that are in a big, big race as we get close to the end of the season. They have a big series, four-game series against the Twins uh, coming up this week. We'll talk about that in just a sec. But you talk about the playoffs, right? Talk about the playoffs, and you have to talk NL West because what's going on in the West? It's not like other divisions. I mean, other divisions they do have, you know, their their little their little surprises here and there. I mean, when you look at the East, you got the Marlins right there, only three and a half games back from the from the Braves. Uh, you got the Cardinals right there, four four games back from the Cubs. But when you look at the NL West you have two of the top three records in all of baseball, and that's by win percentage because the Padres actually do have more wins than the Chicago White Sox, but the White Sox have a higher win percentage because the White Sox have uh, 30 wins and 16 losses, but then you look at the at the Padres, the Padres have 31 wins, so one more win and 17 losses, one more loss. So by win percentage, the Padres are underneath the White Sox. But when you look at the West, the Dodgers are the team to beat in all of baseball. They're 33-14, and 14, best record in baseball. And this weekend, they were paid a visit by the Houston Astros. So we'll talk about the Houston Astros and the Dodgers just briefly, and then we'll talk about more of the NL West. Because the Dodgers, they took on the Astros. The Astros rolled into Dodger Stadium. And they were greeted by a parade of raging Dodger fans banging on trash cans. Ultimate trolls. And, you know, I, I applaud that. Because in a season where the Astros weren't even supposed to make an appearance in L.A. And then they make the appearance but fans aren't in attendance. I'd be out there too. Like, if they, I would be out there too. Let's let's just be honest. <laughs> I would, as their bus rolls in to the ballpark, I'd be out there with a the trash can, my damn self. So the Dodger fans do that. They're banging on the trash cans. They're being real trolls, but maybe they banged a little bit too hard. It was a two game series for Saturday and Sunday. and the Saturday game, you thought that the Astros knew what was coming when Kenley Jensen was on the was on the mound because he came in. For the save, and he gave up five runs in the ninth inning. The Dodgers would end up losing that game to the to the Houston Asterix. The Houston Astros seven to five. But Jensen would come back in the day after, on Sunday, get a K, and the Dodgers would win eight to one. So they keep their winning ways. You know, they have that one game win streak. They uh got off on a on a good note to go to San Diego. Because now, the Dodgers are 33-14. and Like I said, they're first in the NL West and they're first in all of baseball. But they go into San Diego where they have to play the Padres. And the Dodgers, I know, they were hoping that they weren't going to have to see the the Padres have to play any game. Because what happened was the, the Giants actually had a player... Test positive on Friday for COVID. And I say that with quotations because what would actually end up happening is that the the player, Alex Dickerson, who was said to have a positive test for COVID, he'd be tested multiple times throughout the last or, or the or the next 48 hours. And the test came back negative. So it came back that it was a false positive. So the Giants and the Padres were actually able to finish out two more games in a doubleheader on Sunday. And the Padres continued their winning ways. You, you hoped, you know, that the Padres would be iced a little bit going into the, into the series with the Dodgers. That's You know, when you're looking at the Dodger fans, you're hoping that's what happened. that They got iced, but they did not. They continued to win. They won both games of the doubleheader, and that brought them closer to the Dodgers. They're only two and a half games back from first place. They can very well take first place in this next series because the Dodgers are in town in San Diego for a three-game set, the last three-game set between the two clubs in 2020. Padres have won seven straight games, and by doing so, they now own the third-best record in baseball, like I said, 31-17. and So this is going to be a very interesting series, a lot of playoff implications, a lot of seeding implications going into this one. And the other thing that the Padres have in their back pocket is that they were only able to play three of the four game series that they had against the Giants because of uh, the COVID scare that they had on Friday, which by the way, it was a COVID scare because I was watching that game. And all of a sudden the players started coming off the field and I just, I didn't know what happened. It was kind of like a panic. Like I was, I was a little bit nervous when I was watching the live broadcast the way that it was going on. I mean, the, the managers were kind of scrambling to their, to their dugouts, to their bullpens, bringing everyone back. And it's just, you, you didn't know what the information was and you figured something happened, but you didn't know what it was just crazy. But anyways, with that COVID scare, the Padres still have one game to make up. And the Padres play the Giants in a three-game set the final weekend of the season, which one of those games, I assume it would be the Saturday game, will be a doubleheader. Maybe it'll be the Friday game, but one of those games, Friday or Saturday, of the final weekend of the season will be a doubleheader. So the Padres, if they're right there within striking distance and they win both of those games, or if they lose both of those games, it can be a huge swing for the NL West. But it all depends on what happens in this next series with the Padres and the Dodgers. We're going to talk about it a little bit, just uh let you know what series big games coming up that have playoff implications going into the week. But... Since we're talking about playoffs, let's go ahead and look and dive into the playoff proposal that baseball is bringing to the Players Association. Now, we've heard the bubble proposal being thrown around the last couple of weeks. Well, now we have a little bit more context to what that necessarily means. So they have narrowed it down to four ballparks. For the National League, National League teams will play in Houston, at Minute Maid Park, and at Globe Life Field in Arlington, home of the Rangers. Then the American League teams will play in LA at Dodger Stadium, and in San Diego at Petco Park. Close v- vicinity, that's pretty much what they're, what they're trying to do here with the, with the bubble format. Because they're still in separate locations, but it's a bubble format is what they're trying to go for. Now, they're not going to all, all, not all games are going to be played in those locations. The wild card round, which is newly added, it's uh, including all eight seeds. The one plays the eight, the two plays the seven, three plays the six, the four, four plays the five. And now, what would happen in the wild card round is that there's a three game series now. So that could go either way. And what happens is that for all three games, the home parks will be for the number one through four seats. One, two, three, and four will have home field advantage for all three games. So it'll be somewhat of a normal series like you would normally see. And you're not going to flip-flop back and forth between ballparks. You're going to be at the home ballpark of the higher seats, one through four. Then when you get into the NLDS and the ALDS, the league division series. Then you're going to have all four ballparks being used. Globe Life Field, Minute Maid Park for the NLDS. For the ALDS, it'll be Petco Park and Dodger Stadium. Then you go to the league championship series. For the NLCS, it'll be in Globe Life Field. And for the ALCS, it'll be in Petco Park. And the World Series will be a neutral site, be at Globe Life Field, the new ballpark, of the Texas Rangers. Now this is just a proposal. It hasn't been approved yet. But it's it's anticipated. To be approved. Sometime next week. Per Jeff Passon of ESPN. It is expected to be approved next week. By the Players Association. Neutral site postseason. Which would be the first time. In MLB history. For them to have this f- sort of format. Now you figure it was going to happen and you think that it has to happen because with even the most recent scare for the giants, you know, the last thing baseball wants is to have a COVID outbreak. And, you know, I mean, they're thinking about it for the postseason, but this should have been thought about <laughs> at the beginning of the season. Let's be honest. They should have looked at a bubble format going into the year, but Hey, it's, it's in the rear view. We we can't really debate that anymore. But the fact that they're trying to go to a bubble format now is encouraging. Because, I mean, you look at all the other bubble bubble format games, sports that are going on, basketball, you know, hockey, soccer. You don't, you haven't seen a huge outbreak anywhere. That's a positive. So that could be something that the bubble format for baseball brings. Now, that would be the uh, setup for the ballparks if it was uh, approved. But the big thing here is that they, the teams will have entire hotels reserved for the team. And they will be able to bring in their families uh, into the bubble format, into the bubble environment. But the thing there is that With multiple positive tests in MLB this season being traced to family members, the league's position is pretty simple. They're saying that either families can go through the quarantine period, enter the bubble, and live with the players, or they can come to the host cities but remain socially distanced from players during the postseason. So, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, I guess it's on a case-to-case basis if the families want to go through a quarantine period or if they would just rather have them live in the host city or stay in the host city but stay socially distanced from the players during the postseason. I don't know how that's all going to go down, but that's what MLB is talking about. They want to limit the possibilities of covid Spreading during the postseason. Because if there's a shutdown in the postseason. And it goes later into the year. It could be problematic. So the players will be restricted to the hotels. Players and families. They can only leave the hotel. To go to and from. Or to the stadium. Right? To watch the games. And and so forth. The only time they can leave is when they go From the hotel directly to the stadium. That's all they can do. Now the World Series, it's projected to begin October 20th. And it'll be held entirely at Globe Life Field in Arlington. So that's kind of the format that we're looking at for the playoff bubble. I think it sounds like a good idea. I mean, you're still looking at multiple cities and multiple ballparks. so. There is a possibility of COVID still being contracted. It might be better if there was less ballparks, less cities involved. But, I mean, this is the best that baseball can come up with. And they have two weeks remaining. And, again, this is just a proposal, so it may not even go through. But it's expected to be approved sometime next week. Maybe they tweak some some stadiums here and there. I don't know but it's expected to be reviewed and approved next week so we'll have more on the playoff bubble format proposal next podcast for sure but with 2 weeks remaining in the regular season with the playoffs being being set to begin Tuesday September 29th we have a lot of teams now we have 8 teams For each league that are fighting for the playoffs. Right now, if the playoffs ended today, your AL seeds would be the number one seed would be the Chicago White Sox, sitting at 30 and 16. Number two would be the Tampa Bay Rays at 30 and 17. Then you got the Oakland A's, 29 and 17, with the number three spot. Number four will go to the second runner up, or the first runner up, that is, in the Central with the Minnesota Twins, 30 and 18. Then you got number five, the Toronto Blue Jays. They are the runner up in the East, 26 and 20. And then you have the runner up in the West with the Houston Astros and the number six seed, 23 and 24. And then you go to the Yankees and the Indians as the final two wild card spots. Yankees and Indians are in a virtual tie. 26 wins and 21 losses for both the Yankees and the Indians. But no one is really threatening from the AL side. I mean, the next best team is the Seattle Mariners, who are 21 and 25. There are a ways out of it with only 16 or so games left. It would be a little bit, a little bit, uh, unrealistic for the Mariners to, to make it into the postseason. So those eight teams for the AL are pretty locked in there, but then you go over to the national league. Now the national league, it's still pretty stacked, but when you get to seven and eight, it gets a little bit dicey and, a a lot of teams, And still be eligible to get into the postseason. There, you have the number one seed, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the best team in baseball, the number one uh, record in baseball at thirty-three and fourteen. Then you have the number two seed, the Atlanta Braves, at twenty-eight and nineteen. Then the number three seed, the winner of the Central at the moment, the Chicago Cubs, twenty-eight and twenty. Now you're thinking, well, where the hell are the Padres? Well, the Padres are coming in at number four because those one, two, three spots are reserved for the division winners. Number four goes to the best record of the, of the runner ups. That would go to the San Diego Padres at number four, 31 and 17. Then you get to number five, the Marlins, runner up in the East, 23 and 21. Then you go Cardinals for the sixth seed, 20 and 20 at 500. Then you go to the Phillies. Phillies are that first wild card team at 23 and 22, number seven seed. And the final seed right now, if the playoffs were to start, would be the San Francisco Giants at the eighth seed, one game below 500, 23 and 24. But right behind them, You still have the Rockies, you still have the Brewers, you still have the Reds, and you still have the Mets. All of those teams, except for the Brewers, have 21 wins two and a half games back of the Giants. And then the Brewers have 20 wins and 24 losses, but they're right there as far as win percentage goes because that's where it gets a little dicey because the Cardinals are not going to be able to play all their games. I think they're only going to be able to play 56 games. So it's going to come down to win percentage. Right now they're that number 6 seed. But they very well could drop on down to the 8 seed or out of the playoff picture entirely. Depending on how this next series goes. Because that's the playoff picture right now. But it can change. Because the games going into the week... The Cardinals play the Brewers in a five game set. They have two doubleheaders on Monday and Wednesday. The Cardinals sitting at twenty and twenty, the Brewers twenty and twenty four. Brewers are two games back of the Cardinals and one and a half games back of the last wild card. One and a half games back. So not two and a half games back. They're one and a half game back from the San Francisco Giants. And of the last 16 games, 10 of those games are between the Cardinals and the Brewers. Of their last 16 games, they face off 10 times. So a lot can change between those two clubs, depending on how those last 10 games go. Then you look at the Padres and the Dodgers. Dodgers go to San Diego, like we were talking about before. A three-game set starting on Monday. Padres only two and a half games back from the Dodgers for that number one seed and best record in baseball. It is the series finale between, or the final series rather, between the Dodgers and the Padres before we get into playoffs. Because both of those teams are going to be there. But it's a matter of they're playing for the number one seed, or the number four seed, pretty much, at this moment. Then you have the Twins and the White Sox, a big series because the Twins are only one game back from the White Sox for that number one spot in the Central. And it's a four-game series starting on Monday, so huge playoff implications. In the AL East, you got the Blue Jays and the Yankees fighting for that number two spot in the east. I mean the Yankees. And Blue Jays are still trailing. The. Uh, the the Rays. But they're about four. Four games out. Five games out. From the Tampa Bay Rays. But this is for second place here. It's still between seating. So the Yankees are half a game back. From the Toronto Blue Jays. For second place. And they're four games back. From the Rays. And the thing here. Similar to the Cardinals and the Brewers. The Yankees and the Blue Jays. Play each other 7 of the last 13 games. That they have this season. So it's going to be very intense. Starting on Tuesday. Between the Blue Jays and the Yankees. And the final series to watch. For playoff implications. All the games are important at this point in the season. All the teams. Even if they're not playing teams that are playoff-bound, they need to start winning their games. They need to keep pace with the rest of the field. That includes the Giants. That includes the uh, the Rockies. That includes the Reds. That includes everyone that is included in the playoff picture. But the National League just has so many teams involved. There's a lot of teams that are playing do-or-die games right now. One of those are the Mets and the Phillies. They start... A three-game series on Tuesday. Phillies are currently the seventh seed. The Mets are three games behind the Phillies and two games behind the final wild card spot, which is the San Francisco Giants at this moment in time. This is their last series as they face off against each other. So it is a big one. It is a big one. And it not only factors in with the Mets and the Phillies directly, it also factor in with the Marlins as well because the Mets, they're right on the Marlins too. That whole that whole bottom half of the National League for the playoff standings is just so jumbled up. There's going to be a lot of jumping around in the last two weeks. So we are in store. You need to put on your seatbelt because we are in store for a Rocky ride. No pun intended. Do not think the Rockies are going to make the playoffs, but I'm just saying It is going to be a wild ride to the finish. So I hope you guys are ready. Get ready to watch some good baseball this week. And we'll talk again next time on Friday as we look at how the whole week panned out. And we look into getting close to the playoffs and the second to last weekend of the year. So you guys have a good one. Be safe. And I will talk to you next time.